Hey, welcome to the Ocean Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope today's message encourages you and reminds you that God is working in your life. Enjoy today's message. So good to be with you guys. What an honor. Amen. For those of you that don't know me, I'm sure they put my name up there. My name's Phil, one of the pastors here, and I love calling this place home. How many are grateful that we're not just saved to just our Lord Jesus Christ, but we're saved into a family? And uh, one thing I recognize, it's funny, I got my parents in town and they were in church last night and they were just like, wow, nobody is from here. (laughs) And I was like, I know, isn't it? It's an awesome place to do kingdom work because we're all called to the family of God. Why don't we stand as we honor the Lord in the reading of his word, I'm gonna read Colossians chapter 2 verse 10 as brother mike said we're talking about singleness (laughs) those of you online we're glad that you can be here my prayer is that we would leave today with an appropriate biblical theology around singleness you know so much of singleness in the world leads us to a place at times when we're not careful it leads us to a place of loneliness It leads us to a place of separation, but we understand that that's not God's intentions. So we're gonna read this verse, Colossians 2.10, reading from the NLT translation. Do we have it up there? Do we got it right? Hallelujah. All right, let's read it together, y'all. So you are also, excuse me, let's start that again. I messed it up. So you also are complete through your union with Christ who is the head over every ruler and authority. Let's bow our heads in prayer one more time. Lord, thank you that you are the head over every ruler and authority. Father, I pray today in the name of Jesus, through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would give us a healthy understanding, a biblical understanding of what singleness can look like in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead and sit down, turn to your neighbor, say, I'm complete. I'm complete. I'm whole. Last week, Pastor Josh talked about what it meant to be complete with God and how that Jesus is enough in our marriage. We hearkened the moment of Jerry Maguire when he looked at the woman and said, you complete me. We recognize it's a very natural thing to look to someone, to another person to to complete us, but it's a supernatural thing to look to a God who we can't see to complete us. And God invites us to this place of recognizing that we are complete in him first, foremost. We are complete in him, and from that place, we can be enough through the union that we have with our spouse in Christ Jesus, that threefold cord, as Pastor Josh talked about, that you're not just marrying one person. There's, there's a threefold relationship in our marriages. Christ at the center. So we're going to talk about singleness today. Is God being enough in our singleness? Now I recognize that there are many different single situations that are represented in our church. There are many different re- representations online. There are the young people. There are those that maybe have not yet been married. And they're saying, what what does my life look like? What should my life look like? What should the expression of my life look like in this season of singleness? How do I still pursue God, but 
I recognize this great desire that's in me to have a spouse, to have somebody to do life with. What do we do with that? The, the reality of divorce, the reality of a life that you once knew that brought you hope and fulfillment now completely shattered and completely changed and you find yourself in this season of singleness. What, what is the Lord, what can the Lord do with, the, with those broken pieces? Maybe for some of you, it's, it's just recently. And then for those that have been recently or have been widowed, you find yourself, after a long life of happiness with a spouse, you find yourself all of a sudden single. What does life look like for you? What does it look like to still walk out the call of God in your life as a single person? My prayer is that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we would be able to unpack that that God would give you a glimpse to what he has for you. But just to speak a moment to singleness and, 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 and just the reality of the culture that we live in, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, and, and the time preceding really where we are in modern day culture, people got married much younger long ago. Come on, somebody, right? Like people got married much younger than they do nowadays. Pew Research conducted a study. They said the median age of first marriage has risen to almost 30 years old for men, it's 29 years old, 29 and a half years old, and 27 years old for women. 30 years ago, this would have been unheard of, but this is a reality. In the, in the day and age that we live in, in the information age, in the digital age, when, when, when men and women are, are wanting to pursue their careers out of college, and they're wanting to get some things, as they would think, shored up in their life before they give themselves to marriage. So what do we do with that? How do we adjust to this reality that's all around us? How do we speak to that as God's voice, as God's church, as God's chosen people in this region? How do we understand that and give a, a good, healthy, provide a good, healthy biblical outlook on what singleness looks like? Another statistic that I thought was interesting said by the time today's young adults reach the age of 50, about one in four will have been single all their life. Ooh. Some of y'all are like, ooh, Lord, I hope I'm not in that 25%. Help me. So we're going we're gonna to make an attempt to understand what a, a biblical theology of singleness looks like. The same way that Jesus is enough in our marriage, he is enough to complete us in singleness. There's a quote here by Blaise Pascal. He says, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man and woman which cannot be filled by any other thing, any other created thing, but only by God the creator made known through Jesus. Now, when you talk about marriage or you talk about singleness, whether you are a part of God's church, you're part of the church, or you're a part of the world, there, there is an inverse relationship on how the world views singleness and how the, the church views singleness maybe at times. And I know I'm going to paint with a real broad brush, so bear with me and speak in some genera generalities here. And there's, there, there's a way that the world views marriage in a way that the church views marriage. This inverse relationship in the church, uh, at times, there has been an obsession with marriage. So much to the fact that you know, we'll, we make a joke at times when, when people go off to Bible college, they don't call it Bible college, they call it bridal college. Come on, somebody. 
Because the, the whole objective is I need to find my Prince Charming. I, I am obsessed and, and, and a lot of our culture kind of baits us into this place of saying that there is great fulfillment and, and happiness that you will find in marriage. And th that's true. There, I, I'm, I'm so grateful to be married to an amazing woman and there's great happiness and fulfillment and joy that I find in my marriage. But quite often in church settings, we, we don't speak to the value of singleness and what God can do in that. And we only speak to the value of being married. So in the church, there's an obsession with marriage, but at times there's an opposition, excuse me, opposition to singleness. In the world, in the culture around us, especially in the day and age that we're living in now, that there is a lot of opposition to marriage. Come on, somebody. That there's a lot of opposition to what a healthy union of a man and a woman being married. There's also an obsession with singleness. This idea of exploring yourself, this idea of, of being independent and being single and mingling. And, and, and I believe whether you're, you're married or you're, you're single, you know, the pendulum swings in, 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 the, in each extreme, whether it's opposition or whether it's obsession. But there's a place I believe that God invites us to in his kingdom, whether you're married or whether you're single. And today we're going to talk about singleness, like I said. So we're going to, we're going to approach it from that context. And here it is. It's not about being obsessed. It's not about being opposed. But singleness is an opportunity. Can I get an amen right there? Singleness is an opportunity. Marriage is an opportunity. So we're going to talk about that. Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 7, 32 through 40. 1 Corinthians 7, 32 through 40, they'll, they'll have it up on the screen here. Make a note of it in your, in your journals there, in your notebook. Paul says this, who, by the way, Paul was single. So he gives us this charge. He gives this charge to the, the church at Corinth. He says, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried woman can spend his, uh, spend, uh, excuse me, an unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. And Paul says this. He says, I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I love this. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. Amen. He continues on. Verse 36. But if a man thinks he is treating his fiance improperly, the, if a man thinks he is treating the one that he is dating improperly and will inevitably give in to his passion, let him marry her as he wishes. It is not sin. Whew, thank the Lord. But if he has decided firmly not to marry and there is no urgency, and he can control his passion, the person who doesn't marry does even better. Really? What, 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 a, what a departure from, I think, what at, at times where we, we put so much charge to people to hurry up and get married rather than discovering who they are in Jesus. Finishing out the verse there, a wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. If her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but only if he loves the Lord. But in my opinion, it would be better for her to stay single. And I think I'm giving you counsel from God's spirit when I say this. Singleness as an opportunity. A tough place. It can be a lonely place. 
But how do we allow the Lord to pull us up from the spiral of loneliness and see the season of our life, the seasons of our life where we find ourselves without a spouse? We find ourselves without somebody to love us back. What do we do with that? I'm going to give you four opportunities that we see in singleness. Here's the first one, and they all begin with D. So I, I wanted to make sure I made it nice and easy for you to remember. Here's the first thing, that singleness is an opportunity for devotion. Devotion. This word in the Greek, in the original language, it's, it's a word, it's two phrases together. It means good and well, and the phrase to be close beside. It's an opportunity for you to be devoted to understanding who God is. It's an opportunity for you to get your primary relationship in order. I had a season in my life before I met April where I wasn't really searching for a mate. And, and, and I know, again, I, I want to keep coming back to the reality of the difficult place it can be. I, and my wife will tell me at times that there was a season in, in, in her life where, as a young woman, she, where she was on her face crying, said, Lord, I, I just want somebody to do life with. And that, that's a strong reality. But in the season for me of singleness, I was not, God knew that I was not a trustworthy place to give myself over to marriage to somebody. As I was pursuing him, he allowed me to have a time of devotion with him. He allowed a season to clear some things out of my life that I would be a safe place for my wife to be able to receive me. There was no relationship in that season that was keeping me from serving the Lord wholeheartedly. So devotion, getting to know who God is, being close beside the Lord. This is whether you're single, you're divorced, you're widowed. God has given you an opportunity to understand who he is. The second thing is make a difference. And I know that sounds like real charity-like, but here's the reality is, is that, that God called us to make disciples. This is what, what Jesus called us. Why, why we're doing this whole church thing is he's called us to make disciples of nation, teaching people to obey the laws that he has given us. And here's the reality is that when you are in your singleness, good, bad, or indifferent, you have more freedom over your time when you're single. Come on, all the married people said, amen. I know that's right. You know what? All the married people with kids shouted, amen. Freedom. Oh, freedom. You know, some of the biggest regrets I have in my life weren't mistakes that I made, but it was time that I wasted. Some of the biggest regrets that I have in my life were, were, were the times where I was, I guess, in that place of wanting and longing something longing for something that maybe, and this isn't, this isn't maybe for any of you, but for me, it was longing for something that I wasn't ready for. And God provides us an opportunity. God can provide you an opportunity in your season of brokenness, in your season of healing, in your season of waiting, to make a difference, an opportunity to spend time helping others in need. Man, I love that we are a church that spends time helping others in need. And it's amazing to me that Paul, a man who wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament, would instruct us, would instruct God's people to say, if you can control yourself, 
there is a better weight of glory that can exist for you as a single person. And it's a, it's a mind-blowing paradigm, I believe. The opportunity that exists to be able to give ourselves over in service, in attention to God's people. Ephesians 2, verse 10, I love this. This is a, a, such a staple verse for my life. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. God has created us for good works. Even as we're waiting, even while we're waiting in the, in the, in the season of singleness, we're waiting for the Prince Charming while we're getting healed from this terrible loss of a spouse. We can make a difference in that season. Here's the third thing, is that we would be free from distractions. You know, marriage can be the biggest blessing of your life. Amen? But it could also be the biggest distraction that keeps you from serving the Lord. God instructs us in Matthew 6 to seek his kingdom first. All these things, all the relationships, all, all the affairs of life will be taken care of as we seek him first. First Corinthians, we go back to that chapter 7, verse 35 says, I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best. For some of us, that's being married. For some of us, that's being single for a season. And God in his sovereignty will allow seasons of singleness. He will allow even a life of singleness in order that we can live with as few distractions as possible. Here's the fourth thing. But before I do, let me go do a little pop quiz. Those of you online. First thing was what? Devotion. It's an opportunity. Singleness can be an opportunity for devotion. Learning who God is. The second thing is what? We can make a difference. The third thing, be free from distractions. Here's the fourth thing. It's an opportunity for discovery. Young people that are here, question for you. Why do you believe what you believe? You know, maybe even some of you online, maybe. An opportunity to, to discover why you believe what you believe. The time that you have to lean into that. If you have doubts, use the season of singleness to explore and find the answers to these doubts. Being able to discover who you are in Christ Jesus. And th there's, there's a narrative in, in, our, in our culture about singleness that, that says, well, you need, you're, since you're single, you should just explore and just figure out what you like. <laughs> And discover what you like, and then you'll be able to find a spouse. But how many know that that's terribly backwards? <laughs> As God's cre creation can only be understood by understanding the heart and the intentions of the creator. So as God's creation, as those of us that have been made in the image, which those of us, all of us that are living and breathing as human beings being made in the Imago Dei, in the image of God, in order to understand who we are, and we understand what our desires should be, to understand what our value on this earth is, it can only be understood as God's creation by going to the creator himself. And singleness is an opportunity for you to be able to discover who you are in Christ Jesus.
Because marriage doesn't equate to happiness. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ain't you glad you came to church? <laughs> Here's what marriage is. Marriage is two broken people, two broken single people that have allowed the Lord to stitch them together with his love. An opportunity that God gives us to discover There's some of you that have been divorced, even recently, and, and your world is shattered, rightfully so. This is an opportunity for you to rediscover, for you to rediscover who you are, being disoriented, being distraught for the widows, you never pictured a life without your spouse, but here you are. God says, you are not alone. Not only have we been saved to a family, but we've been saved to our Father. We've been saved through Jesus Christ himself, and it's in him. The word tells us that we live, we move. He says that we have our being in him. So we discover who we are in Jesus so uh, a quick application I want to give you. Matthew 19. Uh, I'm actually, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. Uh, I was going to read Matthew 19, 3 through 12. I'd encourage you to read it on your own. But I, I just, here's what I, I want to share with you. Psalm 68, uh, verse 6 says, God places the lonely in families. In church, we have a responsibility. Single people can feel lonely. Amen. This is a reality of the world that we live in, the brokenness that we live in. And if there's anything that I take away from the pandemic and the start of it and people being separated and segregated and isolated, we can all look and realize in that one, the psychological effects of loneliness. And y'all, as God's people, we have a responsibility, not just to the single people in our church, but to the single people of this world to let them know that there is a God who loves them, who saved them, and wants to place them in a family. Amen. Robin Williams, he said this, funny man for sure, but if you ever watch some of his interviews, he was a very profound individual. He said this, he said, I used to think that the worst thing in life was to end up all alone. It's not. The worst thing in life is ending up with people who make you feel all alone. Y'all want to know why we do small groups? Because we don't want people to do life alone. You want to know why you need to be in a small group? Because you are not designed to do life alone. And there's a responsibility that we have. There are some married people here. And you're, you are, you've been married for 20, 30 years, but you feel alone. Jesus is here today knocking at the door to say, I know there's difficulty in your marriage right now, but you're not alone. You're not going at it alone. I'm doing it with you. He places the lonely 
and families. Our responsibility as the family of God. People say, oh, you're part of that big church. I'm just like, nope, we're just a, we're just a, a small community. <laughs> That's what we are. And kind of in wrapping up, I want to read this, this uh, other quote by St. Augustine because it really hits at the realities of the seasons of waiting and healing that we find in singleness. So we recognize the great opportunity that the Lord affords us with the time that he gives us in trusting him in singleness, in trusting him in, in recently being divorced or being divorced for a number of years, being a single mom, being a single dad. St. Augustine said this, our hearts are restless until we find our rest in thee, O Lord. Our hearts are restless until we find our rest in thee, O Lord. For those of you that are single, young people, God invites us to find our peace find our joy, fulfillment, ultimately find rest for our weary souls in him. And it's from that place that God will bring us alongside somebody else if that's his will for our life and that's the desire of our hearts that he would bring somebody else who he has also redeemed in their singleness and together they can leverage, they can leverage what God has done in their life to live a life of fulfillment and purpose. But even aside from that, in the season of singleness, leveraging your singleness for the kingdom of God. It's rewriting the narrative that society would place on us about what it means to be single. Where it's just like, yeah, and, and, and at times in the church, that's what we say. We're just like, yep, yep, hang in there. God will bring the right person when you're ready. And I just want, I, I want, to, I want to challenge this. That's not enough. There is so much more that God wants to do through you. I believe with all my heart that the next generation, the, some of the people that will help usher in revival in America will be single men and women of God. And we have to be able to embrace and release people into their destiny and not say, well, your value will come when you get married and when you found your spouse. Now you can be you can be valuable to the kingdom and valuable to society. And this was the narrative of the Jewish people, that, that, that their identity was found in their family. I mean, you just look all throughout the Old Testament and even the New Testament, where their identity was found, that it was Joshua, the son of Nun. They talked about his family. David, the son of Jesse. And their worth and their identity was wrapped up in other people. Jesus brought a brand new narrative. He said, your worth and your identity is not found in your mom and dad. Your worth and your identity is not found in a spouse. Your worth and identity is found in me, found in Christ alone. Single people, embrace this reality. To the single person, the person that's watching online right now, God wants you to know that you are perfectly positioned to experience his fullness. You don't have to wait till you get married. You don't have to wait to clean your life up. So I'm so grateful for the grace of God. To the widow. God sees you in your distress. 
he sees you. Psalm 34 says this. He said, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he rescue those whose spirits are crushed. You're not alone. You, will f you feel alone and that's a real feeling and that's a real reality. And there's a season of healing for you. To the divorce, there's a season of healing for you. To the divorce, I also want to encourage you with this. In earthly marriage, even for the married people, y'all need to hear this too. An earthly marriage will not eternally define you. We don't believe in eternal marriage. We believe marriage is, God blesses us with the union while we're here on earth. But to the divorced person, I, I, I want to encourage you. I want you to be encouraged with the heart of God that says that there is thou no, uh, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You may have been the result. There may have been some actions that you have done that have left you in this place of singleness. In the heart of the enemy, the plan of the enemy of our souls, Satan himself, is that there would be a downward spiral of our lives where we wouldn't value ourselves as a son and daughter of God, but that we would spiral into a place of unfulfillment. We would spiral into a place where we would feel separated and lonely. I know they're not going to have the verse here, but I want to read this to you because I, I don't ever want to assume that everybody understands the good news of Jesus. Galatians chapter 2, 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in who? In the Son of God who loved me. Before I was married, he loved me. In my singleness, he loved me. In my brokenness, he loved me. When I was addicted to marijuana and drinking, he loved me. And the love that he gave me as a single man, he offers that to you. He offers that to me. Let's bow our heads and let's pray to our Heavenly Father. God, thank you. God, thank you that you place the lonely in families, your word tells us. And Lord, I pray for every person that is single in our church. I pray for every person that is single within the body of Christ. God, would you help give them, would you help give us a healthy perspective on the opportunity that you are providing for them. God, in the middle of their waiting, in the middle of their brokenness, in the middle of disorientation, God, that there would be an opportunity to be fully devoted to you, to come back, to return to their first love. God, there would be an opportunity to take that love and make a difference in the world around them, to make a difference in their community. God, that there would be an opportunity that they would be free from distractions, Lord, that there wouldn't be any weight, there would be nothing holding them back. God, to fulfill the call that you have on their life, and God, that there would be an opportunity for each single person 
to discover who they are in you. And if you're here and you just need to say yes to Jesus, you need to say, you know what? I, I have heard of this Jesus my, life, my whole life. I find myself in a place of brokenness. I'm married and I'll find myself in a place of brokenness. And whether you're saying yes to Jesus for the first time or you're saying yes to Jesus for the thousandth time, I just want you to go ahead and just raise your hand right now and say, yeah, that's me. I need to say yes to Jesus again. I need to say yes to his will, yes to his way, in my brokenness, in my emptiness. We say yes, Lord. See those hands. Father, you see every heart. God, you see us, you see us in our sin and our brokenness, and you love us the same. Today is the day of salvation, and we're thankful. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like more information or would like to connect with us, visit us at oceanchurch.com. We love you and hope you join us soon online or at one of our campuses located in Southwest Florida.